Hi, welcome to my podcast. I'm Dr. Lauren Goodall. I'm a clinical psychologist, and this is Psychology in Short. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about grief. So many times we hear about people who have an untimely passing. And usually the first question people have is, is it drugs? And my answer is, it's rarely drugs, okay? Drugs might be the secondary piece to the equation, but usually what it is, from my experience, is some level of trauma or grief that hasn't been worked through. And so I'm gonna be talking a little bit about grief, and also I am, I have, I cover it in my book. My book is Bipolar is Not an STD, and it is available on Amazon. I also have a web page. It's called drlaurengoodall.com and it has videos and it's also available for feedback and uh, topic ideas. So please, by all means, um, feel free to send me some of your ideas. Okay, grief is so powerful. It doesn't keep time. And it definitely doesn't matter how long, long ago was. The problem with grief is that past and present can commingle in a minute. Traumatic grief is the stuff that keeps getting triggered to the surface. Okay, so we have conscious uh, variance, uh, conscious awareness of grief. Okay, with that, a conscious awareness is we see somebody that reminds us of somebody else, okay? Or they have mannerisms or gestures, okay? We have more of a conscious awareness. Now, that might be a romantic partner, that could be a friendship, or, of course, it could be part of a parental relationship. But a conscious awareness of grief is seeing something that, or smelling something. It could be somebody's cologne that can uh, start to trigger you, um, or I should say, instead of trigger, just make you aware of a, of a grief response. Now, there's also unconscious associations. And unconscious associations are things that you don't see, but you pick up on that are more, much, more, much, much more subtle. And... And you may not, at first, be aware of what you're responding to. You might feel uncomfortable. You don't know why you feel uncomfortable. You might have some level of depression, like a little feeling kind of sad. You don't really know why. A little bit of tearfulness, and you don't really know why. And with unconscious associations, it takes a little bit to start connecting the dots. That somehow something um, connected you to a sense of grief or a grief association about another person. And I would say that grief is in some ways, you know, it, it's, it can be, if it's not worked through, and sometimes you just can't work it all the way through. I mean, these are people that matter in your life, you know. It, it's not a open and closed kind of situation. Um, it takes time, it takes time to process grief and get it where it's much more manageable and not running your life, okay? But I have found clinically 
that most people, it's not one thing that they go through that gives them grief where they can't get up. It's usually multiple things. Okay. So if you're saying, oh, this is it, not necessarily. A person can go through a tough traumatic experience, but that isn't necessarily the piece that that just destroys them. It's usually two, three, four things, okay? Um, And as grief compounds, the problem with grief is a lot of times it bounces off of prior grief, okay? And And that's where it gets this ping pong effect where it starts going exponential, okay? It's not so much that you know, you broke up with your boyfriend or he broke up with you. It's the fact that it reminded you of the same type of issue or something that happened in your past relationship. And now you're extremely upset and it seems like, why am I overreacting to this situation? Well, you are over, maybe you're not overreacting at all. Maybe it's just that the grief is compounded and it's bouncing off of something else. And Sometimes we just need time to figure out, you know, is this multiple types of grief? And and if you have multiple forms of grief, you're going to have a much harder time shutting something down, okay? If you've experienced a lot of abandonment in your life, starting with you, your parents were very emotionally neglectful, um, you experienced some ab- abandonment or rejection as you were growing up, you're going to be much more acutely aware of that. Okay, so a person is going through life in, in accumulating grief. And that's when things get more complicated. And, and sometimes people start resorting to self-medicating to manage their feelings and, and give them a way to cope with what I would say in a lot of cases is the uncopable. Okay. Um, things that are just too hard, and so we need help with that, those types of things. And when, you know, the big question I, uh, you know, in working with people with grief is that how do you recognize it? You know, people who have grief generally tend to isolate. Um, They tend to go radio silent. And I'm not talking about, you know, when something just happens and because when something just happens, there's a lot of support. Say if somebody dies, there's usually food, there's people that show up. I say when things are long past that event where a person still experiences grief, it could be months and uh, it could be a year, it could be longer than that. And a person is still experiencing loss. Well, all of a sudden, you know, they may go radio silent on you. And so they tend to avoid socialization. And I said in my book, it's the repeated costs in life or the repeated losses that gets us messed up. After a few decades, the soul damage gets rough. You develop habits of avoiding people to avoid the connection. Connection is great but costs just the same. If you have a strong emotional or physical connection, the cutoff feels like crap. Coping habits, good and bad, get commingled. Smoking, drinking, shopping, gambling, oversleeping, or sex, you name it, it's all been done before. 
Some people self-harm. It has been said to cut off the emotional pain. And then I say, if you can't find a good purpose in your life at the moment, you'll find a dysfunctional purpose. Keep in mind, it still has purpose, but the purpose is a bit distorted and disoriented. Dysfunctional purpose is our codependency. And our link, our codependency to the past. So grief has a lot of codependency to the past. Keep that in mind. All right, so... How do you help somebody who's going through a grief response or you suspect a grief response? Of course, um, getting involved, them involved in therapy is definitely a must because it helps a person process through and reorganize some thinking. Okay, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to jump through a fast hoop, but you are establishing a relationship um, with a therapist that helps them presently start moving, and that's what's critical. And, is, and, it, and it is establishing a, a safe relationship to do that with, okay? Because a lot of people don't necessarily know how to work with a person who's going through grief. They might be able to say they're sorry, but when the, the grief is protracted and it goes on, then people just kind of scratch their heads. So a good therapist needs to be in the equation. Um, a lot of times symptoms of grief are people will experience more depression, anxiety. They, they tend to have a hard time getting up in the morning. Mornings don't even make their checkoff list. Um, they're, they're, they're bypassing the morning. They're the afternoon wake up crowd. Um, a lot of times appetite, sleep is completely dysregulated. And so they, they're neurotransmitters, which are, you know, the brain's chemical messengers. Well, they're just not working whatsoever. There's like no feel-good neurotransmitters operating in that equation. And a lot of times people experience some type of paralysis where they just have so much anxiety moving forward. So I think it's really important, you know, because a person who's going through extensive grief may trust one or two people, but generally not a lot of people. Okay, and they won't want to socialize. But if you're that good friend, you stand in that gap. And by standing there, I'm saying you show up and you are the person that says, hey, what are we doing? What are we eating today? Where's the laundry? Okay, you're setting up a structure and you're setting up a purpose and you're keeping close tabs on creating movement. Movement helps a person participate and develop some interest in their life. You don't, you know, you don't take them to places and expect them to do entirely well, but your job is to get them to show up. Maybe help get them out of bed and say, okay, we need to throw some dry shampoo in your hair because you don't look so hot and we're going to go to the coffee shop and we're going to stay an hour and, you know, and you just start setting up small goals but you participate with that person. And another way to participate is, you know, you may be part of a session or two, be invited to their session with a therapist. You can certainly ask that person if that's possible. And if they're having a hard time regulating their sleep, their appetite or their mood is terrible or they're terribly, terribly depressed or terribly, terribly anxious, then they might need a little medication management to kind of boost through. Or if they're completely obsessing, 
um, in the sense that just repeated thought, repeated thought, repeated thought. That is a sign that a person will likely need some type of antidepressant um, to kind of break through the obsessing process. When serotonin, which is a feel-good hormone in your body, gets too low, the brain starts to loop and it just keeps getting obsessive. And the person will say they can't stop thinking about it. And that's especially true with trauma. Trauma or grief. And so sometimes you need a little boost and the medical doctor, the psychiatrist, or the psychiatric nurse can assist to kind of help the body re-regulate. Because let's face it, uh, grief can be extremely stressful on the body and on the brain. And the brain is gonna, uh, the brain is gonna reveal it. Okay, you're gonna see, you're gonna see physical changes in a person. Like I said, from down to their isolation, to their sleep habits, to their appetite habits, um, across the board. So um, that's something to keep in mind because that may help cut you through to more movement. The other thing to keep in mind with grief is, you know, and I've dealt with a lot of people who've lost people in untimely ways. And I always say <laughs> the only way to work with somebody who has grief is you have to know grief a bit to work with it. Because if you have no frame of reference, you're really of no use. Let me help you out with that. Um, go find somebody who's had some experience with it live, okay? Somebody who got through the other side. I'm not talking about somebody that shows up at the grief group and talks and takes up the whole session for months and years and still isn't going anywhere. I'm talking about somebody who had a walk through grief and got through the other side. That's the person that you need to be talking to. How do they do it? And I say, you know, when people were dealing with untimely grief and huge losses, I say, you have to give a person a purpose. They have to connect with finding a purpose. And don't cut off, um, you know, when they're talking about that person, don't say, oh, that was in the past. Um, you know, you know that person's gone. That's not what's going to help, okay? I mean, you're not creating a delusion These, as an adult. A person is not making up imaginary friends and all of that. You're just saying, hey, keep that person in the present dialogue. What does so-and-so like? Well, so-and-so likes this and what have you. Because that helps a person. It gives them a little more time to, to, to function around the death. And process it. So a little more time with that sometimes is helpful. But also talking about the person is important. And that's especially true uh, with small children uh, or young children. They need to be able to talk about the person who passed. So you are not doing them any favors by cutting that out and saying, you know, we don't talk about that anymore because they passed or a sibling passed. No, you let them talk about it. You let them make their associations with it. And that allows them to be able to start moving with it. And as I said, purpose is really important. Okay. And when people lose their sense of purpose, that's when grief really gets a hold of them. That's when grief shakes a person down. That's when you start seeing some a lot of dysfunction start to roll. That's when you start seeing heavy drinking. That's when you start seeing drug use, okay? Because the purpose is gone. And maybe your job as a friend is to help that person 
um, besides the therapist, is to help that person and say, okay, let's look at this piece. And little by little, when you present some different pieces, it tends to help a person build some interest back into their life. But if a person, you know, and this is really hard, you know, um, I've talked to women who've lost their adult children through traumatic means. And they have spent, they would say, you know, you don't understand. I spent my whole life around this child. There's nothing that I'm going to say to challenge that. How could I, you know? So to say that therapy is a simple equation with grief, no, it's not simple at all. Okay, sometimes it's just the establishment of a relationship where somebody can hear their pain and process through their pain. And I would sometimes use that person, okay, if it was an adult son who died or what have you, I'd say, okay, and, and use that person as a catalyst saying, what do you think so-and-so would want you to be doing? What did so-and-so like? And things like that. Um, and don't you think that it's, you know, it's bad enough that we lost one person, but for us to lose another person in this family equation is going to be drastic. And, and, and I don't think you want to address that or force other family members to have to deal with it because you see how, how hard it really is. So processing those, through those pieces and still giving the person who passed a little life, meaning still a little bit of a voice, is going to help a person to cope, at least in the immediate. And then eventually that kind of moves off to the side, and it's not front and center anyway, anymore. So those are some ideas on working through grief and understanding that a lot of substance and self-medication at its root is grief and trauma. So we really need to be aware of how that is around us and look for people um, who might be struggling in that way. Start, you know, start questioning, is grief going on in their life when you start seeing somebody who's starting to downslide into a rough space? And as I say, pull somebody else up or share your own grief and how you moved. But the key is purpose, a little bit of movement and processing, and sometimes a little medication management just to kind of help the brain de-stress. All right. At this point, I'm going to close up for now. And thank you for joining me on this segment. Again, I'm Dr. Lauren Goodall. And at drlaurengoodall.com. Please send me some feedback so we can get some topics rolling. Thank you.